You ready? <clears throat> as ready as I ever shall be. Okay. Welcome to the Wirelessing Podcast. This is episode two. I'm Liam Douglas, your host, and my co-host is my father, Barry Douglas. Hello, thank you for listening, and this episode will be about traveling. You know, we have many different travel stories. You have more than me, but I have a few that, you know, might be surprising for just you know a musician starting out do you want to take it away (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i mean we started uh, in the first podcast with how we how we began and all the different things that you need to think about when you begin a career as a musician but you've got to get somewhere and um, as you progress through your career right from the word go it's travel a lot of travel is involved and a lot of travel can go wrong of course and you know all musicians have great stories of things that have gone well and things that have gone really badly and you know cancellations of flights and to you know trains getting derailed and i had that once in amtrak on the east coast of america so luckily no one was hurt but i I think it's fascinating because people see musicians coming out on stage and performing and uh, that's what we all live for as musicians because the interaction with the audience is, is key yeah but and they don't the, see, you know, you all the get stuff in there around and it. Yeah, you know, it's just absolutely incredible because you know, from working on a song in your case, or me practicing a Beethoven sonata and make sure, making sure I have it memorized, and and then it's contracts. Uh, I mean, you're helped with your agent by your agent for that, but it's getting to the airport, flying or taking a train journey or a car journey, getting there, the hotel, everything, all of that palava, mm. which can be fun and it can be really pretty nerve-wracking. Any travel stories come to mind? Just kick it off with number one. Well, I mean, the, the, the one that everybody has, you know, you try to do a concert and then you have a travel day and then you have a concert and you have a travel day. That's, but it doesn't always work, especially when you're, you know, far away places like, you know, whether it's Asia or Australia or even North and South America, you, you're traveling on the day of the concert. Yeah. And the plane is late. And your luggage is lost and you get to the hall and the piano is locked. Then you find yourself going back to the hotel just to freshen up, have a shower and get back for the concert. And you realize your luggage hasn't come and you're dressed in jeans. So then you've got to go out into this wonderful concert hall. Everyone's dressed up to the nines and you're playing Beethoven in, you know, straggly jeans and a dirty T-shirt. Well, mine wasn't so dirty. Oh, wait, this is the the... You this know, is the uh, jeans story. Yeah. This is on the Gulf of Mexico in a place called Beaumont in Texas. Yeah, and they have a very good piano series there. And uh, so I, it was my, I was making my debut. I was 27. Uh, I was in Beaumont, Texas, and I came on stage in jeans. And I think they thought that was my kind of usual uniform being a 27-year-old. <laughs> I think I should, I should do that again and be like an aging rocker. I can't imagine you in jeans because you don't wear jeans that often well if they are jeans they're you know 
pretty dark and you know not the typical blue jeans yeah they're not denims but these were yeah. denim right these were blue jeans yeah, blue denims wranglers or something you know other makes are nice. possible too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want well the first travel story for me just comes to mind it's just in terms of being lit it's so it tears you apart in your mind thinking if i'm late for this i was doing a radio session in belfast and i was in dublin and i was you know it was earlier than we thought, and then I uh, and so I got a quick in the taxi, went over to the train station, and I realized that if I'd gotten in the train, I would have been late. So you know, on the train from Dublin to Belfast, this is about an hour and forty minutes. But I still have to walk, you know, out of Great Victoria Street over to the place, which is it's not too far. But I realized that I'm not going to make it if I get the train. So I tried to get the bus. And then the bus was, I think, half an hour late. And I thought, if I'm going to, I'm going to miss this radio session for the band. And it's going to just, I'll probably never get to, you know, play in that radio station again. Or, you know, who knows? I'll never be asked, you know, because if you're unprofessional in that way, if you're late and you don't show up, people aren't really inclined to invite you back. Yeah, they never forgive you. <laughs> no, they'll never forget that. So always, you know, I mean, especially for me, you know me, I always try to be early and I'm always there before, you know, even any, for school, I was always before the building was open, you know, I was that early every day. And I remember you getting up in Paris and you got up, up exactly 7.28 in the morning, then you had to be eating breakfast at, ten, at 7.50 yeah. and then you, you would watch Eamon Holmes and Sky News. Yeah. And then you had to, oh, leave, had to leave at 8.11. Not 8.10 or 8.12. No. Well, maybe it was. No, I, I thought it was 8.28. Well, that's if it was, yeah, if it was an 8, 8.35, 8.40 yeah. start or something. Yeah, but it was always the same time. And it wasn't like 20 minutes or 25 minutes past. It was yeah. always a funny, funny number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's another piece of OCD right there. Yeah, that's sick. That really is sick. <laughs> At the same time, every day. But in terms of time, you know, I would always, you know, set my watch a little faster. And I, you know, even in the kitchen here, I would set the clock a little faster and trick every everybody into being early yeah, everywhere. I, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Just being kind in my own little way. But no, that's a big part of, you know, being a musician and just being there early. But another big part is just it's a lot of waiting around, which is the worst thing for a musician is to sit there and wait to do what they need to do and just get into their heads and think, if this doesn't go well. Yeah, I remember, you know, actor, I think it's even worse for movie actors because they, all, they have to wait all day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they're waiting for a blue sky or one cloud to go across the sky and it never does. You know, in my one movie bit of career, I made a movie with Shirley MacLaine. Jesus. Yeah, well, I was in it for 10 minutes, don't worry. And we sat in her trailer home and she said, and it was seven in the morning and we're all having breakfast. And she says, that's the movie business, Barry. You hurry up to wait. <laughs> <laughs> you get ready to get yeah. ready to get ready. Yeah. yeah, it's just a lot of that. I was doing the Late Late Show and yeah, I remember. It, that was a big moment for me. But that was waiting all day all day but on the way to there this is my travel story for the late late show 
We should tell so people that was, the Late Late Show is the, one of the most not, watched. Yeah, not the one in TV America shows. or, not, you know. Yeah. Um, not the Tonight it, Show. It's the Irish, <laughs> you know, it's with Tubbs, you know, Ryan Tobridi. Yeah. Way back in the day, it was Gay Byrne. And, Gay uh, Byrne, yeah. And it's one of the most watched RT television shows in, in Ireland. Yeah. I mean, especially with the toy show at Christmas, mm. you know, so it's pretty big. And I got asked to do it the day before. That's right. You Which is pretty common. So quickly. But one of the producers called me. They said, we know that you play guitar. Can you... And they were trusting me with the task to, you know, get all the musicians for us. So they said, we know you play guitar. We want you to do it. Can you can you play tomorrow? And I said, uh, okay. So I work... I worked part-time at, at that time in the National Concert Hall. So I had to ring them and say, I'm sick. Because I couldn't get anyone to cover it. So I said I was sick. But now they know. So if anyone's listening. So that... <laughs> and then so, they saw you on the TV. And the rest is history. Well, they did. Do you still have a job? Well, <laughs> not at the moment. No, they they never knew that. But uh, no, I, I said I was sick. So then I had to get all the musicians. And I was str struggled to get I'm sure they a drummer. You. I got a bass player pretty quickly. I got a drummer, you know, after, you know, asking two people. But I had to get a keyboard player. Not many people play keyboard. And I said to all of them, you're just miming. It's, it's, it may be TV, but you're not actually playing. It's just miming. But it's just, it has to look right. So you know how you, you play a keyboard, right? And they said, no, no, no. And I said, but you know how it looks. And it's just explaining all of that. And it's just, please So you this. didn't record it first and then sync it, synchronize your... your... No, no. No. Because uh, the person who was the singer, you know, the artist that w we were the backing band for the right. singer. And she already had her song. It was for Eurovision, Sarah McTernan. And we just had to show up, sit there, you know, play along, you know, mime it. But right. we, we actually learned the song, so it looks right. And Yeah, because they sent you the music and everything, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They that said, looks so cool. To this. The lighting <laughs> and everything. Yeah, it was good fun, but it was a lot of just waiting there all day. And we had our own little dressing room, which was fun. Did it have a star outside on the dressing room? Uh, no, it said just rejects or something you know? <laughs> <laughs> ignore these people no it was good fun and there was a green room at the end of the corridor we were at the far end so you walk in through the offices of RTE we're to the left and then all the way to the right is the green room and then you go out onto the stage where the show is filmed right yeah brilliant I love that complex in Donnybrook in Dublin RTE although I think they're selling bits off at the moment so it's shrinking but yeah. still, I mean, the radio center is great and the TV center and they make uh, that soap opera, Fair City. They make Fair it there. Fair City, yeah, yeah. yeah. The they building's right next to it. Yeah. 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 Sounds amazing. I, and I remember, you know, seeing the building and I said, oh, Fair City is filmed here. Yeah. And I texted mom and I said, guess what? <laughs> do you remember once we went to radio center because I had to do uh, an interview with Sean Rocks about a concert that I was doing in Dublin and you and mommy came and then then Sean started to talk to you about your guitar playing afterwards. And we yeah, were, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we said goodbye to him. We walked down the steps and we were standing there waiting for the taxi onto this beautiful tree. Oh, wait, wait, wait. 
careful with your words. Yes, I will. I'm, I'm very careful in case there are youngsters listening. Yeah, don't say shh. No. <laughs> yeah. Then um, we didn't notice. There was a shaking of the trees, rather like in a horror movie. Yeah. And then suddenly it sounded like this amazing rainstorm, you know, with big, you know, drops of rain that weigh a ton. And uh, we discovered it was a group of pigeons def <laughs> defecating on us. <laughs> and it didn't stop because it took us a while. It took us several seconds to understand what was happening. Then and we yeah. had to run for our lives. So we walked and we, 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 we ran out into where there were no trees into the, into the roadway. Then we kind of tried to wipe ourselves down. And then we went back to wait for the taxi and it happened again. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they say, you know, if, if a bird, you know, uh, relieves itself on you, that brings very good luck. <laughs> relieves himself. <laughs> yeah, but that's only people who get, you know, crapped on, you know, say that. Yes, but it's the same as And the you... same with cars, you know, they say, yeah. oh, there's bird droppings, that's you know, right. but that's yeah. good luck. You I know, always, I always yeah, leave, but leave like, a bit. Is this good luck <laughs> that it happened to you? It's like spilling red wine on a white carpet, you know, oh, that'll bring luck. <laughs> 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 Which I never do, of course. Well, not on purpose, anyway. Yeah. No. <laughs> Do you have any more travel stories that come to mind? Well, I mean, if you go back to, you remember, we used to, I mean, I always went by, by plane to places. Everywhere, and if yeah. We went by plane if we went on holiday and stuff like that, unless we were on the island of Ireland. And you'd go by uh, business class? Well, if someone else is paying for it, yeah. yes, absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. You insist. But then I, I was in London, this was back in April 2010, I was playing Prokofiev for the London Symphony Orchestra. And then suddenly the ash cloud, do you remember the ash cloud in Iceland? And it stopped all plane travel over the whole of, of Northern Europe. Oh yeah, to the, 2010. Yeah, April 2010. 2010. Yeah. I remember it was around the time of my birthday, late April. And uh, I realised I was stranded. And, and you, with Mummy and, and Sorsha and Fergus, were supposed to fly for Easter or something, yeah. or for half term. We were, for the, where were, where were you we were in Paris and you Paris. had to fly to Ireland for, for school holidays for right. two weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't, so you couldn't get there and I couldn't get to Ireland either. And so I had the brainwave, why don't you get jump in the car, take the boat, stay overnight in London and then pick me up and we'll go by car, we'll boat and car mm. back to Ireland. And that's what we did. And then we fell in love with going by ferry again. Yeah, and we've been using it as much as possible ever since. Whether it's to go to England or go to France. Yeah, every time you have a concert yeah. in England, or even you know in, in France, you know, because you go over there to look after the apartment and everything. And yeah, because there are several you just get the boats boat, now yeah. from from Wexford, from Rosslare in Wexford, County Wexford, southeast tip of of Ireland, and it's an eighteen-hour cruise to Cherbourg. It's absolutely incredible. Well, it's nearly a cruise, it's, but it's still a beautiful boat. So we started this incredible rediscovery of going, going by sea. And uh, we would even go over to France sometimes uh, in January time, take the car and then we could bring stuff back and bring stuff there. And it was so relaxing. So um, Yeah, because you just park the car and then you can just walk about, you know. Yeah, have dinner, just and relax, just chat, have yeah. a long sleep. And the great thing is if you do the... The Cherbourg uh, boat, the Rosslair Cherbourg, um, it doesn't dock till 12 noon. So you have plenty of time to mm -hmm. sleep in. It's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, do you think you're a nervous passenger? Not in a car or anything or on a boat, but plane number one. Do you think that you worry a little bit as you're about to go on or 
Have you ever had that? Or I remember mummy and I were taking Sorcerer. She was a baby. She was um, six months old. We were going to Australia. And we went Singapore Airlines, so we stopped off in Singapore. And then the journey from Singapore to Brisbane on Singapore Airlines, it was a very long journey. A lot of it was during the night, and everybody was sleeping. And it was, you know, that incessant, very small rumbling and turbulence, mm. and it never stops. The whole way. So it annoys the hell out of you. It's not scary. It's just so monotonous and, and annoying that you can't sleep. But yeah. I was the only one that was up walking around, you know. And of course, the seatbelt sign kept going on. So, but I can't stand turbulence. Yeah, I can't stand. Once I had flights cancelled, there was there were high winds over Ireland. I was going from Paris to, to Dublin, and eventually they let they let one go, and we were up there, and it was just being buffeted, you know, to kingdom come. And I was sitting in the front row, and I was sitting beside a crew member who, who, who was traveling over to Dublin because his shift, I guess, was starting yeah. later on in the day. And he saw how nervous I was and he said, don't you worry, the, the pilot, the captain is up there in the cockpit and he's just using his two index fingers just to feel the plane and see how it's going. I said, you mean it's not autopilot? No, he's flying the plane through this. And I that made me, you know, he's flying with two index fingers? That can't be. <laughs> I don't know if he was having a go at me or if he was telling the truth. But we were just about to land in Dublin and we were coming down and I could see the tops of the buildings and suddenly we took off again because the, the wind had changed direction and then they took us away down to Limerick to Shannon Airport. So it was a nightmare and so I missed the first rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> but I was rather happy. I went to the bar and had a stiff whiskey. Yeah, well, it's, it's a very common thing. I mean, if you're a musician, I mean, you can probably stay in your, you know, country and just be self-sufficient in that way but you know if you are a musician you have to travel and it's going to just open up a lot of doors for you so you have to take plans and everything and it's just a very common thing and you just have to suck it up yeah i mean you can walk out in the street and something could befall you so i think uh, you have to see things in context and they do say that flying is the I, I never understand this, but they say flying is the safest way to travel <laughs> because of the statistics per year. Yeah. But uh, actually, do you remember we were in America and we got stopped by the police? We were almost arrested. No. Or you were almost arrested, right. maybe. What did I do? It wrong? was in Texas and we bought. Oh, no. Uh, no. I'm not going to say we. No, no, no that's, that's, you're half right. We were at the end of a trip and we were flying out of Dallas-Fort Worth Yeah, through, no, it was directly to we, when, when was this? When was this? This, this, was this would have been, I guess. 2000s? 2007 yeah. or something? Yeah, Six. so 20 years ago, roughly. Yeah. No, 20, 18 to 20 years ago. And we went through, so we, we got to Gatwick and then we had to change planes to, to go to Ireland to, I think it was, we were flying to Belfast. Because, well, first of all, every time you go over to Texas or America, you would always stay with you know, yeah, two very people, good friends. Yeah. very good friends Fort of ours. Yeah. And they had a dog and everything and even a cat, which just disappeared and just didn't care for anybody. But we'd always stay with them. And it was Texas. So we thought we would go to, we went to the rodeo and everything and That's just, right. the, you know, state fair and all these different places. I, I worked and you guys had fun. Yeah, <laughs> you were working. We were just having fun. Well, you know, I was a baby and... um we bought these little toy guns, toy guns, but they were metal, you know, hard metal, you know, yeah. 
and they had the you know orange thing on the end so it obviously wasn't real yeah but the people at and the we airport put them in the didn't checked think luggage. that yeah and we got to london and we had lunch because it was a big layover time in gatwick and then we went down to the gate no we were on our way down to the gate and my name was called really on the intercom yeah said baron douglas please yeah but well because i think the case that had the guns was in my name, you know, so they they read the, the luggage ticket. So I had to meet the police out on the apron, you know, that's a posh term for the bit where the aircraft stands. Yeah. And I had to go over to this luggage cart that brings luggage to an aircraft to load. And they opened it up and they said, step inside. Would you open your case? Sure. Is there anything in this case that we should be worried about? And they stood back and I thought, my God, what is going <laughs> what, on here? They're standing back, but I have to open the case like a guinea pig. I said, oh, there's some toy guns in it. And then it dawned on me. So I opened the case and they said, that's the problem, those three guns. But we, what was their reaction to, you know, just... They were just they, checking. They, they, were just, they knew they were just checking that there were toy guns, not... Yeah, because they were the right size, right shape, and they were metal. Yeah. <laughs> So then they insisted on taking them uh, out of the suitcase, putting them in a bag and checking them separately. Now, I remember, yeah, we went back on the plane and you uh, were still with, you know, all the airport security people. And, you know, I kept on asking mom, is Danny arrested? You know, yeah. he's, he's not going to come back with us. Yeah, he's going right. to be stuck in America. But, uh, wow, that was so long yeah. ago, yeah. Do you remember that captain once? We were in North Carolina and we were delayed forever. We were going up to, to New York and we were all in this small, narrow plane. And we were, Oh, yeah. It was, and we uh, couldn't, he wouldn't let us off the plane. Three seats by three seats, he, yeah. So what the captain did, he got off the plane and he went in and he went to McDonald's and he bought bur burgers for yeah. the whole plane for out of his plane. own money. Yeah. That was an amazing captain. Some some good people in the world. Another thing about, you know, the Iceland volcano, and we ended up having, you know, to take a boat. And then later on, we, we decided oh, it's much better to take a boat. And then over the years, what happened was, well, we'll talk about it just a little, just a wee bit, you know, just we'll, we'll mainly talk about, you know, this in the next episode. But if you hadn't taken a, the boat, you wouldn't have gotten into a car crash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was... Uh, you, mum, yeah, and my Sorsh. sister, Sorsh. Yeah. yeah. We were here for Christmas, and we were driving back to Paris. And instead of taking the direct route, we went Belfast-Liverpool, or Belfast-Birkenhead, <laughs> and then down to Dover, dover Calais, but down to Paris. And so we, we got off the, the Liverpool boat, and we were driving uh, out to the M6 motorway. Mm. And we got down towards Birmingham and then we got on the M41 and we're just driving along it's about 9.30 in the morning and suddenly I see this little car going right angles from the left and it's going to hit us Yeah, it was literally going perpendicular to our direction first of all you don't see that often <laughs> <laughs> that's not normal and we were in the middle lane and I thought I'm not, if I ram the brakes on or if, if I don't or if I do I'm still going to hit this little car mm. So I noticed that the, the fast lane on the right was was free. So I put 
pedal to the metal and I thought I can get past this car and I nearly did it and she just tipped the back of our car and I mean it was just a little ding yeah and then it just we started a spin yeah spun the car and we span you know span spinned four times and then we ended up going backwards and this lorry was coming right at us in front of us uh, and I thought this is the end and, and, and Sorsha had been asleep and I, I just said before the crash check Sorsha's got her seatbelt on luckily she did and we were on, going backwards count on my sister to be asleep during yeah. the car crash <laughs> and not know what's going on yeah yeah, yeah, yeah very cool anyway the guy hit us so the big lorry hit yeah the, the lorry hit yeah. and pushed us into the crash barrier and we pushed us under the crash barrier and then suddenly there's this crowd of people you know, on the other side of the crash bar. I don't know where they came from. I guess people just stopped yeah. and wanted to help. And they were saying, get out, get out, get out, quickly, quickly. And we couldn't get Sorsha because her door was underneath the crash barrier. So we had to haul her out and get out because they were scared of the car, I guess, exploding. Exploding, yeah. And we, we got out and we were fine. It was unbelievable. And the police guy, when he when they arrived a few minutes later, they said, if you had, hadn't been in a strong car, there are other cars available. It was a BMW 5 Series. <laughs> uh, that's built like a tank. And he said, if you hadn't been in a car like that, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. You'd be gone. I mean, this, the car was totaled. I yeah. mean, you still have photos of it, yeah. you know, and it was, was it the boot? Mummy was bringing something. What? Yeah, it was the boot. I was just about mommy, to say, there's something in the boot mommy that was exploded. Bringing, <laughs> as you do, Mummy was bringing... 24 cans of baked beans yeah. to her Scottish and Irish friends who live in Paris because you can't get Heinz baked beans. Yeah. yeah. So. Mum is a, the equivalent of a drug smuggler, but yeah. for but, sweets and beans. And Sorsha's Apple computer, which is made of metal, there were dents in that and scratches because as soon as we oh, started yeah. to spin, the baked beans were spinning inside the and boot. And it hit, yeah, it hit And the it computer. did such damage. We had brought selection boxes and chocolates and everything for the kids in Paris. Yeah. They're all mush yeah. because of these baked beans. <laughs> so then we went to the hospital. I had to take the breathalyzer. Everything's fine. We filled in yeah. the paperwork and we went to the airport. And the girls wanted to come straight back to Ireland. And I said, look, there's a plane to Paris at five o'clock and there's a plane to Belfast at five o'clock. Let's go and look and decide. So we looked at the destination board. And I said, what is it? And they said, let's go. We'll continue to Paris. <laughs> so, and we got on that plane. It was very empty, the plane, I remember. And we sat near the back and we sat down and breathed a sigh of relief and ordered a triple gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so anyway. Yeah, and I remember you, you three came back and you were just in that state of, you know, wow, a near-death experience. And you knew yeah. you were just, wow, how lucky are we? And I was yeah. just, get over it, please. Oh, God. You're, I mean, your flight, your, your flight, <laughs> your flight flashes in front of you, but so does your life. Yeah. Uh, your life does flash in front of you. But yeah, uh, we, we, were, yeah. we were meant to continue on this mortal coil. So it's great. I mean, number one thing for me was just in a car crash or any situation like that, when you're traveling, it's just... On impact, you ca you can be fine, but it's just like you know the stuff in the boot that's gonna move, you know, no matter mm -hmm. what. And also, your insides and your body move yeah. with the momentum, and that's scary for me. Just knowing that you can't see it, 
it could be internal bleeding and everything. And that's just, that's yeah. was my number one fear for when I got the call. And, well, in you know, France, when you're in an accident, people just leave you there. They don't move you because it's really dangerous. They just put a cordon around you and wait for the paramedics. Yeah. Because you cannot move and you can't give them water. You can't give them tea. You can't touch them. You just talk to them. Because mm. that happened to me. I was knocked down by a motorbike once in Paris. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they just they just left me there. <laughs> I ran out. The, the the you know the red man, the green man. The green man suddenly went to red, but there's always five seconds before the red goes to green for the traffic. And this motorbike guy, this courier, he darted us. He knew because he saw the pedestrian light was going to red, mm. so he started, and I just saw him coming towards me. And then I blacked out for three or four seconds, and I ended up. 100 meters up the road on my face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, was I born? No, you weren't. By then? No. No, it was 97, December 97. 97. Yeah, you were born next year. I wasn't on earth yeah. at this moment in time. Anyway, but th th that's, they, they, they just leave you there until the paramedics come. Yeah, but you, you the side of your face, you know, yeah, it was, was all, off. It was off. <laughs> it was on the road. It was, it was, it was like that man. movie, you don't remember the face off? <laughs> or two faces from yeah. Batman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it was all the, down the side of you and your leg was all, you know, mangled. Yeah, I had crutches and everything. Oh, Sensor fun. warning for the listeners. But... I got a lot of sympathy. Yeah, yeah crutches for a while. How, how, how long did you have to handle that? It was about three months, you know. Three months? Yeah. So you didn't play any concerts during that time at all? I had to cancel something. So it's a few things, yeah. 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 Was that tough? It's tough, you know, walking on the stage with crutches. Yeah. You know, what do you do Excuse with the crutches? <laughs> but that must be, you know, I mean, of course it's inconvenient, but, you know, for you to have to say, oh, damn it, because of this motorbike guy, you know, mm. it was just, I have to stop what I'm doing. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, you know, I was happy to be still around. So it was great. True. Yeah. But, you know, but people have been through worse things than that. But um, like me, my back muscle. Do yeah, well, I that? told you. Yeah, that's a bunch of railway sleepers we have out the back because I wanted to make a raised uh, vegetable garden, which I never did. Well, uh, and you in, decided to move them. Indiana Douglas over here, you know, was wanting to go out in the garden, you know, and pluck start my pluck my radishes. <laughs> Start planting everything and, you know, doing a herb garden. And he got these, you know, railway sleepers, yeah. is that what you call them? These big, big logs of wood. And I decided to move them because I was, you know, weeding the, you know, just the pavement. Is yeah. that what you, pavement? Or yeah, just the, the patio, patio at the back. And I moved them to one wall to the other. And I, I remember feeling a tweak in my back. Yeah. And it was very small. And I thought, okay, I'll be fine. And this was Saturday. And then by Monday, I couldn't move. And I remember I got up to go to the toilet. And then I, I, I caught myself in the mirror. And it looked as if the muscle in my back was convulsing. I don't know what yeah. it was. You know, it was crinkled up anyway. And it was, you know, as if it's flexing. And you can just, oh, it was the scariest thing. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to be sick. And I remember <laughs> WhatsApping. You and mom saying, I'm going to die. <laughs> Please, I'm going to be sick. Please help me. But I ended up having a minor tear in my back. Right. And it, luckily it wasn't, you know, a spinal thing. So yeah, I didn't leak spinal fluid or, you know, it didn't paralyze me or anything. It was just the muscle and it was, it, it took, I was in bed for two weeks 
and you couldn't play the guitar i couldn't play the guitar at all and it i would say it took four weeks for me to not feel the point in my back and it took me to get for a guitar it took me at least two months to get back to where i wanted it to be that's how much it just i mean stopping for two weeks it's just I, i never do but it really slowed everything down, you know. And I remember when I started rehearsing again with the band, I said, we're going to have to take this slow because my back's in pain. But that was the scariest thing, for, you know, for me. I mean, not a car crash or a motorbike accident, but it, it was serious to me. Yeah, no, it is very dangerous because that stuff can come back and haunt you later on, you know. Yeah, and I've had, you know, uh, back pain, you know. And I had since. to move the railway sleepers back again. Uh, yeah, and I said, don't do it. <laughs> it's a death wish. But then, uh, you know, Dominic, who comes to the house from time to time to do stuff. Yeah. He said, you know how you move a railway sleeper? You drag it. You drag it. You don't lift it. Yeah. <laughs> so I dragged it. Dragged them all back. Of course. Yeah. But your confounded guitar, you know, on those car journeys, do you remember when we would go on holiday? And oh, I'd, yeah. And you're a great boot packer, and I'm a great boot packer, and I packed the whole boot, and it was perfect. Well, yeah, we ended, because we're taking the boat so often, yeah. I thought, you know, we're going on these long, you know, journeys where we would stop off somewhere and then get to the place. And so I just thought, I'm going to bring my guitar and practice, yeah. you, you know, during the holidays. Yeah. But you, the, you, on the last one I did. You came out with the two guitars and I'd shut the boot and so, there was no yeah, room. I brought my acoustic guitar and my electric guitar because... They both play very differently, but I wanted to play them both, you know, during the holidays. We were away for two weeks. So and I, I had thought, my keyboard. Stop. I had my keyboard in there too, a digital keyboard. Yeah. You know? And it was a ordeal to get, to just to pack the boot and everything. And of course, you know, you would buy boxes of wine that, was on that the you would back. want to bring back, you know. Well, we had to take half and the boot you stuff says, oh, out. Oh, get that out of the way. This is a priority. Get the wine in first. Yeah, get the wine you know? in first. But then I, then <laughs> I learned... Then I then I learned that putting the wine boxes in the back seat uh, on the floor so you have somewhere to put your legs is very useful. But since the accident, I don't I don't put anything inside yeah. the car, nothing, yeah. because it flies around. That taught me a lesson about that. If you can't fit it in the boot, bin it. Don't take it. Mm. So when you go on tour then with a the band, you know how does that work when you go to do a gig? You've been, you've done a couple of weddings and stuff, and, and yeah, I've and done gigs weddings. And well, the weddings were usually pretty close. You take a van or something, or what? Are you just going a big station? No, I would wagon? just get, you know, if I'm near, you know, a bandmate or something, you know, I would just get in a taxi and just bring the amps. So we'd carry the amps and just a guitar and just show up, and it's fine. Right. But our, you know, our drummer is from Belfast, and he would just, you know, get a lift on with. A full drum kit and you know rent everything out and just that's the way he would do it because right. he wouldn't trust the drum kit in any venue so that's the, just the way he would do it right yeah it's, 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 you know for a band you know you usually want to bring your own equipment you know your own microphone if you're a singer and drums and amps and everything because you don't want to get there and then plug into an amp which you don't know how to work and it's broken or something or and it's a just, death trap you get electrocuted. Yeah, that's pretty good. more common than you think. <laughs> it's just bad wiring, you know, in the app and everything. But no, that's uh, that's uh, usually the way we do it. Do it. And, you know, I, I don't travel as much as you. I mean, the most travel that I would do is just Dublin to Belfast, you know, and then back and forth. 
I would say that that's about it. I haven't, you know, traveled as far as, you know, England or anything like that. Or, but you travel all over the world, yeah. you know, for music. So It's really, I mean, it's awful for the airlines at the moment during this COVID thing. But what's great is, you know, all the miles you accumulate, some of them expire after a while. But they're, they're writing to me all the time saying, you know, you can keep your platinum status or gold status for an extra year because of the pandemic. Mm. And all all the miles, they, they won't expire for 10 years or something yeah. because they really want to keep your custom, your your fidelity, yeah. as it were. And so that's one good thing when we... Get back to traveling in the, in, the, in the sky again on, on planes. It'll be it'll be comfortable, hopefully. Well, in between the lockdowns, you did go to Russia. Yeah, I did. And yeah. they were weird. They were pretty weird about the, you know, testing for COVID. Well, the amazing thing is, I conducted a hundred piece orchestra on on the stage of the Tchaikovsky Hall. But this is an enormous stage, and they still could do one and a half, one meter, one and a half meter distancing. And so, there was an audience. I was an audience normally three thousand, only six hundred. They only let six hundred get tickets. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that was a whole palaver because you needed to get the visa. Normally, I get a visa for a year. You mm. can only get it at the moment for one trip. Then yeah. So you have to get multi, you know, lots and lots of visas for different trips. So I had to go to London, get the visa there, fly over for that, fly back. Then they needed a COVID test exactly three days before, and it's only one place you could get it in London at the that Russian, they trusted Russian anyway. consulate. Yeah. So I went over to London again. I went to the consulate. It's, it's uh, near near the Barbican, and it was great. Got the COVID test, and then got the result the next day, and I was able to send the certificate. And the Russians were amazing because they forgave, they're forgiving all musicians, any quarantine, if they're coming to make music. Yeah. But you must have the COVID test and then you can come in. You don't have to do quarantine for two weeks and then do the concert. So I just arrived straight in, rehearsal, concert and straight out again. Yeah. And they were testing the orchestra every three days. And then when the vaccine, the Russian vaccine came along, they were encouraging them to take the vaccine. Oh, well. And so... But they were they were great. They were I mean they did everything perfectly, and you you could see the Tchaikovsky Hall and and the other halls in Moscow that had concerts every night. I mean we can say now that at the time you know we didn't think it was a good idea, but now you know of course you didn't get anything, you didn't catch the virus or anything. But I mean asking you to fly to London to get tested, to fly back and then fly to fly Russia, oh, yeah. it's just yeah crazy. <laughs> But the other solution for what some people have done is I, I had this recital in London beginning of October and they said, and this has happened to me a few times, instead of one recital for like 90 minutes, two hours, would you do two concerts of one hour each and we'll make a break between the concerts. So they have two separate audiences, two different audiences, yeah. and they clean the venue between the concerts. Yeah, that's good. And that that is a model that could work, you know, and they socially distance the audience and... Mm. And that worked really, really well. Except the concert ended at quarter to ten and curfew. You couldn't get something to eat, you know, after ten o'clock. Yeah. So Fergus was with me and we went and got an Indian takeaway. <laughs> we just made it in time to get the Indian takeaway before ten. Yeah. You know, what's the n top things to do when you're traveling? What What would be the top three things that you would need to do when you're traveling? By plane or, you know, anything, anything. Yeah. Well, quite a few years ago, I changed to, uh, even if it was a five, six, seven week tour, I never checked luggage. 
So that's my advice. Oh, you always want to carry on. I always carry on. And if if I can't fit it all in or it's too heavy, I don't bring it and I just buy and then try and bring it back. And if I can't bring it back, I leave or give it or throw it away. See, that's or... one thing I learned from you. I have that little duffel bag, which I yeah. pack everything and, you know, to this little black duffel bag. And it's just the tiniest thing and it's perfect for a carry on. It's the size of, you know, just a backpack. And if I need extra clothes, I'll just yeah, buy absolutely. them, you know, because yeah. I know that's what you do. You just, you know, if well, you, you need you, extra stuff, just you can buy them or wash them. You know, who cares? Yeah, because usually if you're, you know, in a hotel, they they can do it for you. But you would wash them yourself, wouldn't you? Is that too it, much information? No, I, 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 I've, I leave shirts in the, in the in the bathroom in the sink overnight, and then you just you know, rinse them out and hang them up. Yeah. You know, and then you you find somebody to iron them for you, or yeah. I iron them and then they look awful. But um, <laughs> or you you give them to the laundry if it's not too expensive. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, definitely, just travel as lightly as possible. Bring a good book. Show up on time. Show up on time. Yeah. Yeah. My third thing would be. If you're going to a country that's not renowned for its wine, do buy a couple of bottles and they're duty free. <laughs> Wait, is this the grand, you know, the master plan for, you know, this is my survival technique going by boat, taking in the car, and then stopping off in France and you buy boxes of wine and you say, oh, this is for winter. This is for research. This is, <laughs> it's for inspiration, you know, to my performance. Is that why that we, we take the car? I think that's one of the reasons it's why sentimental. we... It's sentimental. Yeah, because I love Provence and I love the, the wine. And, and for, you know, if you're getting close to Christmas and you're having a glass of rosé wine, somewhere by association, smell and taste, you're sort of on holiday still in Provence. Yeah. It's really quite childish. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. Yeah, brilliant. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Leave a like. And this was the Wireless Scene Podcast. And in the next one, we'll be talking about, you know, different concert stories and more in-depth, you know, detail on the disasters of, well, I alluded to it in the first episode, but when I fell off stage. Right, okay. That's a new one on me. That's, yeah, I haven't told these, you that I one. Thought, I thought these were non-self-inflicted disasters. Well, this is uh, a good one. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> You'll see. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. And, well, I'll tell um, you a story about pedals, piano pedals, and oh, my yeah, disaster yeah. with we'll get to that. pedals. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for listening. See you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.